You are listening to episode 124 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we've got today's Inflation Deflation Challenge hook, line, and sinker. So this week we are going to be playing. Let me go back because I'm not going to be able to pronounce the damn name correctly, Ryan. It's uh, uh, Umehara Kawase Fresh. Fresh. We said at the same time. That worked. Yeah. Okay. So that is what we're playing this week. It is on the Nintendo Switch, uh, according to Ryan here. And uh, for those of you that are aware of the game, Hook, Line, and Sinker, you basically we'll get into it a little later. Okay. As always, Ryan. Uh, I guess let, let's start off with the fact that. There's a lot of empty shelving around me right now, and there's a lot of echo in this room because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely tell. Uh, so, packing up for a new house, I think uh, we'll be doing this type of recording here with this echo going for at least another three weeks. And then, dedicated room for recording with no video games, and then I have to print out a picture of Ryan or my collection so Ryan can see it. I know, I'm like, usually I'm staring at the wall of games, and it's like, no matter how many times I've been over here, I mean, I guess 124 times, and looking at the wall of games as we record, now I've just got boxes, and I can only see, like, really six or seven things. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing, those boxes, none of these games were on the shelf before. Oh, really? This is all extra stuff that, like, needs to be put up. Mm. So, yeah, it's quite a lot. Uh, but yeah, so packing up and hopefully we'll have a dedicated space for that. Nice, you know, we should loft. do some like really good coverage of like the building up of your game collection. Like we should like record it or something like putting it on the shelf and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could do like a, do like a time lapse. Yeah. I was thinking that'd be pretty cool. Just the whole, are you going to stick with these shelves or are you going to get newer type of shelves or do you have any ideas uh, yet? I mean, these shelves are like, so anybody that's kind of curious it collects and uh the type of shelves that i use so i use it's like atlantic um i think it's oscar i think o-s-k-a-r i believe uh but if you go on uh amazon you just search up like atlantic dvd shelving you'll find these and i use the one that holds i think it's 720 dvds a pretty good size actually or probably about i'd say somewhere neighborhood about 36 or 38 by 72 roughly and they do a good job. You put them right up on the wall, and you can bolt it in, and they stay steady, and got a nice. They look a lot them. nicer. Some of those yeah. cheap end like shelves don't move very well. No, and these, I mean, these don't move very well either. So they have to be like, you got to be pretty careful. Like when we move these, it's I'm gonna have to talk to the movers and show them how I want these sent out and everything are like laid out in the truck, but. Uh, they they've moved pretty decently for me. I've got, I think they've gone through three moves now. No, two moves. One from where I used to live, then the next house. Yeah, so this is their uh, second, their third move. And they've held up pretty well. And they do make them in black. The one I have is like a walnut color. I like it. Yeah, I like the walnut, but I think I'm going to go with the black based on the paint style I'm going with the new house. So we'll see. But overall, pretty decent shelves. Um, hold a lot of DVDs and uh, CDs and other types of games. And they're adjustable, so you can kind of move the things around. Kind of, I've had them to where... I can put in like Sega Saturn games in one section and it fits in nicely and then kind of stack it accordingly if the PS1 games above it and it's, they're good shelves. So yeah, so we're going to have that, um, I get not have that, but that's 
part of the next phase, right? Either looking into getting black shelves or purchasing more shelves. And then if Ryan wants to do a time lapse, he will have to sit there and watch me alphabetize every single game and put them up on a shelf. And that is going to be ridiculous. Plus, we're also looking to get in some arcade machines not too far from now to put in that house. So it's going to be sick, dude. We're going to have a pretty sweet layout. Oh, I found them on here. So the Oscar Atlantic Adjustable Media Shelf 6681. These look like they're not as big as yours, though. No, the ones 114. that I... 114.65. Yep, that sounds about right. So 114 bucks a pop. They're not bad. I'd say it's worth it. Especially uh, if you're looking for something quick that's uh, pretty sturdy. Those will work. Just build them correctly. That's the only thing I would say. All right. Well, uh, Ryan, pickup-wise, I didn't have any video game pickups this week. But I did pick up a booster box of Time Spiral Remastered for uh, Magic the Gathering. Fun. Uh, yeah, so this one... The reason I picked this one, like, I'm trying to pick up new product whenever I can. Uh, this one was, like, 200 bucks for a booster box. But there's some pretty, like, heavy hitter cards in this set. And it's supposed to be a limited release set. Like, they're not going to be doing a whole bunch of heavy print runs, apparently. So that's pretty much why I bought this one. So is it common knowledge for people to know, like what kind of print runs that they're going to be running? Like, are you just, like, really up on, like, MTG News or something? You follow, like, a blog or Twitterverse? No, I'm on a variety of different Facebook pages, so I keep I keep track of stuff on there, kind of what's new, what's being banned, what's being re-released and such. Uh, so I learned about this one probably late into the life cycle, or not life cycle, but late into the news on when this was going to be coming out and trying to buy it cheap and such. But, uh, you know, that and Reddit. You know, I, I have a few Reddit threads that kind of come up on my phone every now and then. And one of the ones I saw recently said that this was going to be a limited run. Or not limited run, but a limited amount of print compared to what they are doing with their current product. Did you already go through them all? No, I just got the box last night. I haven't opened oh, it. Oh, dude, you should save it and we should do a draft. Uh, Well, let's see. I might buy a second box. I haven't decided yet. And keep one sealed and then one open usually you want to keep so, uh, at least like a box sealed just in case when you know potentially the value goes up and there are like i said some heavy hitter cards in here that are going to i mean there's some right now foiled are like 90 to 300 dollars. yeah i remember so. i went to a launch for god i don't even know what set it was but like dude bought like a couple boxes and got like the what's like the crazy super rare it's like it's like copper almost instead of like gold or platinum like Not the sure. super rare ones i don't know but he got like the rarest card in the set like out of the box immediately turned around and sold it to the shop for two more boxes and then got another one that just wasn't uh foil nice yeah, I mean, that's one of the ways to do it. And so that's kind of what I've considered with some of these, you know, boxes is why don't I just open it, pop it out, see if I get a $300 card, sell it, and then buy another box or two. Like that's theoretically that's the way to do it. And now that I'm thinking about it, as we talk about it, I kind of want to do that and just open up, like do a video recording of us opening up the packs. Mm -hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, we've never done that before, so... That might be interesting to put on like Instagram or Facebook video or something. I sold a whole Warhammer 40k army for booster boxes for Magic the Gathering once. Nice. All nice. my Eldar. Well, I I had that that old 40k stuff that I had picked up a while back, you know, from 
some random lady's garage and they wanted to give me like 10 bucks at a local shop and I turned around and sold it for 60 somewhere else and then you know took that money and put it towards I guess more video games uh but yeah I mean I guess we could do that I don't mind opening up that box and seeing if we could pop something out that's of value and flipping that and buying another box would be interesting that's my favorite part of magic is like when it's still you're into it for like opening packs and stuff i always lose interest when it's like all right we're going online we're buying singles we've got like you know the super slim four copies of every card yeah and that's you know i do a lot of that too for the most part but i still enjoy opening packs and financially it's just a a better situation now than what it was years ago. So I can actually buy a booster box every now and then Mm -hmm. and, and be okay with it. Whereas when I was in college, if I wanted to buy a booster box, that was, you know, saving for however long to get that money and do that. So otherwise that's all your food. Yeah. That's pretty much college food right there. Uh, but along with that, uh, I am waiting for my order to come in from game nerds, which at this point I would highly recommend you don't buy from them because this is the second time it's happened where I've put in an order for a pre-order of a D&D book, and it's just not here on time. I mean, this book is released on the 16th. I still don't have any sort of confirmation saying that, oh, your order's been shipped. It just says, not fulfilled. Like, okay, with no information whatsoever as to why it's not fulfilled, it's just in limbo right now. So I'm going to be going out to a local shop just in case because I am moving and there's change of addresses and all that stuff. I don't want to deal with a situation where this book potentially gets lost in the mail and then we're dealing with that whole situation. So Candlekeep Mysteries came out for 5e and it pretty much takes the entire area of Candlekeep and it has like 15 uh, side quest type things or, um, you know, mini campaigns that you can run. And so, or I guess one shots technically. So I'm going to look to get that with the alternate cover at one of the local shops here and have that in hand for my existing campaign with Avernus that I have everybody doing. And by the way, I have to tell you, I put the entire group yesterday against a barbed devil and completely wrecked them. I was probably going to be pretty close to throwing out a, um, a TPK last night based on what I was doing. And that's that before I was like going through and like figuring out what I wanted to do with this, like they're under this villa basically, uh, in like the sewage type area and they're trying to figure out and they become murder hobos by the way uh, the whole group has so I'll, I'll go into that in a second but uh, I wanted to throw two barbed devils against them and then this like big baddie and I was like well let's not do that because like I don't know where they're going to be in terms of HP based on the existing battles they're doing so let's kind of hold off at that point so I think I knocked each of them down probably once a piece everybody went down except for Justin because he just had like he had a shield of faith on and then some wild magic turned into them having a unicorn summoned within the actual battle. So he got another shield added to him. So the guy was rolling around with like a 22 AC last night in this battle. There was no way I was going to hit him. Uh, and so, yeah, we, um, they just almost TPK. They went through this whole like crazy situation and knocked them down several times. But the murder hobo part came when, there was a room filled with like 10 cultists and they decided that they were going to use a mage hand to pour flasks of oil all over the room, manacle one side, go to the other, light it on fire, then bar it and have 10 cultists that were in their sleep burned to death. Nice. It was, I was just like, okay, 
roll for stealth, roll for this. They were just getting like 15s and 20s all night long. I'm like, all right. Are they well, already in hell or are they trying to get to hell? That's they're not even, they're still, they're still in Boulder's Gate. Okay, that's a good way to get to hell though. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and then I loved it because uh, what ended up happening is when they had that, that battle with the big baddie, uh, she just like looks at them and is just like, see you in hell as she chokes on her blood and then she passes away. So I just can't wait to like bring her back into the fray down the road when they're in Avernus. Uh, there's so many like cool things that we can do with this campaign, but, uh, yeah, they become murder hobos, dude. It's actually kind of scary. Some of the crazy things that they've come up with, they like chopped off a guy's, uh, manhood recently as torture, which was kind of shocking to me that they went through that way. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's become kind of scary, but yeah, regardless, I'm going to get candle keep. And when I get that, I'm going to create kind of a side quest, uh, mission for them within candle keep to really extend the length of this campaign. Cause I don't want it to be so linear to where I'm just kind of going through with the book. So I am homebrewing some things here and there, mm-hmm. and I'll utilize this as a, a homebrew option to give them, you know, like a special magic item or something within candle keep. Cool. So, uh, but that's where I am at on current pickups, which I took a long time on that. And uh, currently playing, I'm still playing Apex Legends, uh, level one twelve, one fourteen now. And uh, started playing Horizon a bit, and I'm enjoying her. Um, God, I'm averaging nowadays in a good match. I can get four or five kills, no problem. Nice. Yeah. So I'm getting that, getting that point where I'm pretty comfortable playing. And your KDR is going way up. It's up to, it's now 0.62 consistently. It had dropped to like 0.6 and 0.59. It just doesn't help to Justin every time I play with him. He hot drops us every damn time. And so it's like you either get a couple kills or you die right away. And when you do enough of those hot drops, if you do four and you're averaging like one kill, that doesn't help your situation, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to kind of talk about this. This is go to place because it's not necessarily an article i watched a good video this week digital foundry did a video covering apex legends on the switch port Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting to see how different they were they did a really cool way of recording the footage so they were on a team and either the xbox person or the switch person whoever died would just spectate the other person so you can see exactly the same thing but one being on one console and one being on the other console and the difference is dramatic like think of like all of the grass and like low brush and stuff as just not there really like on the switch you literally can't see it so it's like they were talking about how it's a good thing in this game that there's no like prone but like you could still crouch in some of that grass and feel like you're hidden but to somebody playing on a Switch, they don't have any of those in the game at all. So you can just see things. But like the like the definition of it is just not as good. So it's like you're looking at like at Vaseline when you try to look at something really far away without, you know, a scope to help you. Like you're not gonna be picking up those details. So there's like some interesting kind of give and take on what could be considered like competitive advantage the frame rate's terrible though they were saying that like a lot of times it'll dip down into the the 20s once you're like in a combat thing and possibly worse oh man yeah but it otherwise it tries to be like a smooth 30 and just saying that you know like this game is playable it's severely compromised 
Like, maybe it shouldn't be cross-play just so that everybody's kind of in the same bag. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's cool that they were able to get it to work. So I don't know if you're if you're out there playing, you know, on Switch, let us know if you like that. <laughs> if, if you feel it, that it's worth it or that they did a good job. Well, uh, you could let us know uh, on social media, of course, Facebook and Instagram, at The Game Deflators, Twitter, at Game Deflators, and of course, hearing the podcast where you're listening to it now, as well as Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and wherever podcasts are found. And five-star reviews. Leave five-star reviews. Uh, Yeah, dude, that's definitely interesting that, you know, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, though. That it's that low of a uh, you know quality game compared to what you got on the Xbox or PS4, I guess even PS5. Uh, it does not surprise me, but I do think that that is an issue though. If you're a Switch player, like you know, and you're trying to play against people on Xbox and PC and and PlayStation, you're it's just not going to be a good time. Well, and we'll see what happens when they come out with mobile. Oh God, yeah. I mean, maybe mobile and Switch will be cross-play compatible, and that's Switch it. Pro. Yeah, well, Switch Pro, I mean, whenever that happens, uh, yeah, I think that'll be better. We'll see. And, you know, I don't know if you saw, we didn't talk about last week, but NVIDIA has stopped making the chip that goes into the Switch. Mm. So uh, I think it's a Tegra chip. I don't remember Something the name. Something like that. Yeah, I remember hearing people Yeah, about that. so, I mean, that right there is an indication that Nintendo is going to be going into a new direction anyways, because they, they kind of have to, right? If that chip is not manufactured anymore, yeah, they have to go through with a new console. Or or they're just going to have a new chip. Yeah, a new chip. Which, of course, if you're going to have a new chip, you're likely going to make some additional upgrades, most likely. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I guess it depends on the chip. If they got an equivalent from another um, vendor like an AMD. Uh, But that being said, uh, you know, that's uh, where we are with that console. Did You you didn't pick up anything, right? Who are you talking to? I'm talking to Ryan. Who are you talking to? Are you playing anything? No. Oh. I, did, I know. I did notice that you guys are playing Life is Strange, but I figured that was your wife. Yeah, that was yeah. that was Bree and Megan. Yeah, yeah, that came up uh, last night when I was playing. So, all right. Well, uh, this week's articles, of course. Uh, again, we don't have trivia this week. It's just been so hectic for a while now. Um, a PSVR two release date, price, new controllers, leaks, and latest news. We'll talk about that. Uh, Play at Home 2021 update, so the 10 free games that you can download now or coming up uh, this spring. And then uh, Apple's Cook and other executives to testify in the Fortnite trial. Uh, So it's been a while since we talked Fortnite uh, and Apple and Epic, but we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we've got our inflation deflation following that. Uh, First one being the uh, PSVR article, dude. So this is Mike Williams and Imad Khan at Tom's Guide. And, uh, dude, I'm stoked. Like I told you a while back, I would not be buying the normal PSVR because I was waiting for a wireless type headset to come out with better controllers and just a better situation in general. And that I would want it to be, you know, on the PlayStation 5. That was what I was looking to do. I'm sticking by that. I have no intentions of buying the other VR still. And, you know, as soon as we uh, get this VR 2, I will be trying to buy both the PS5 and the VR together, of course, if I can find it. Uh, but the good thing is, is based on what we were reading here, they're looking at potentially 2022 to release a PSVR at the earliest. I hope by then we have, you know, some better supply chains going on and we can pick up a PlayStation 5 at the same time. 
That being said, at the same time, you're going to go time. drop like a grand. Uh, no, I don't have to drop a grand. That's your remember. That's your bet. That's going to be a thousand dollars. The PlayStation Five, I could pick it up for five hundred. Well, I guess it would after tax. So five hundred, and then they're anticipating probably about four hundred for the release of this console, which would bring it in at a cool nine hundred dollars pre-tax. So Ryan, that is under your thousand dollars. Yeah. Silence. Silence. Yeah, I mean, so the original PSVR launched at four ninety nine. Yeah. So, I mean, they're saying in the article that they don't think that they're going to price it that high, especially considering what like Oculus is going for. And but I mean, Valve Index is like it's a thousand, a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is a bold starting point for them to go into PSVR 2 with is launching with the controllers first. Show people what we didn't even have because they didn't really even have PSVR controllers. Those were just the PlayStation 3 move wands and they made them work. So they've never even made like real VR controllers. And these look legit. They look comfortable. They're going to have like the adaptive... uh pressure for the triggers they're going to have finger sensor touch for if your hands open they've got the circles all the way around so they could tell the orientation of your hands in the vr like these are some legit controllers they look comfortable they look like uh futuristic and cool i'm into it i think this is a great start and then we'll see what they do with the the whole headset later, if they can get that um, wireless. I think at this point it's a given that it's going to be wireless. Like, yeah. you can't roll into market with a wired VR headset at this point. I mean, it's just, it's the next step to is to get away from that completely. And, I mean, if you're going all the way, you might as well go all the way. I think it's cool that they're trying to also incorporate... Um, I've seen this on some people... I can't remember what they were playing. I think they were playing Star Citizen. They had the uh, eyeball tracker. And they're saying in here that they think that that's going to be one of the next major innovations to bring to gaming is eye tracking. Like, imagine now you've got two thumbsticks free because if you want to look around, you just look around. That's one of the whole jobs of one of the thumbsticks that we've been using now. So all of a sudden, things open up a lot and things get way different as far as what you're capable of doing quickly and in real time yourself versus what you're having to you know go through a control input to try to replicate and get some kind of idea because it's it'd be so complex in a game to be able to like turn move duck look up shoot strafe like when you can do most of that just with your own body, head, and eyes, now you're gaming on a whole nother level. So they want to throw all the tech in here. They want to put a rear camera on. They want to put a bunch of cameras on the outside for pass-through. If you've ever used VR and you've noticed how you have to take the helmet off like whenever you want to see something or like... It'll be really nice if they have a game where you look down at your hands and you can see, like, the buttons on the controller, you know, in, in a certain time so you know what to hit without having to look at the controller. Like, 
having like a dedicated button where you could just turn on like a pass-through view would be really handy. Especially it's like VR's fun to do in a group setting. Because it's you could play all these bizarre games and it's like turning to look at somebody on the couch and being able to like see them, you know? Mm-hmm. And also it could incorporate it into gameplay. Like there's all kinds of things you could wind up doing with like AR, VR kind of merged together due to like pass through like that. Well, and you know, technology is getting to a point where it, it should be there anyways. Because I think like Microsoft has like augmented reality type stuff regardless mm-hmm. uh, where you can see like shapes and different objects within like your everyday view and they just kind of come up on the lens like mm-hmm. I, i've seen that in the past with them uh, but also even speaking technology in general have you seen uh i've gotten like notices for them for like investments to be able to jump in but there's a company that has like this treadmill type thing oh that like an omnitread yeah where you're like strapped yeah in you're and strapped in like you can move thing. around yeah. yeah and you can duck and you can jump and all dude it's crazy where we're at nowadays like 15, 20 years ago, hell, even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have pictured that we were going to be at this point with that type of technology to be able to do, like, Ready Player One crap. You know, oh, like it's, it's approaching. Yeah, I am and so And it's stoked. almost commercially viable. Yeah, at uh, this point. Zach's looked into getting one of those before. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at investing, but also uh, I think it's only, like, two grand is what they're going to be starting at, two or three grand, which, I mean, is quite a lot for a lot of people, but at the same time, if you're looking to get VR and a PlayStation 5 at $1,000, What's holding off a couple more years to save up another couple grand, you know, to get? Well, what's a regular that? treadmill cost? Uh, well, it depends. It could be anywhere from like five hundred to two thousand or three thousand dollars. So I mean, you know, if you're thinking about it as being more than just a gaming accessory, yeah, you know, if you look at it versus what the cost of buying a treadmill would, you could at least subtract that. Now you're only like, you're only paying. Five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars because you're getting that treadmill kind of cut off the top. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, with this VR dude, uh, again, I'm super excited about it. I've got a whole bunch of PlayStation Four VR games that I picked up over the last few years, and I continue to pick those up whenever I can. Um, and I've just been stocking up, dude. I'm excited. I can't wait to jump on some PSVR too. And- well, and they're starting to release PSVR games on um, more often on. Uh, PS Plus, right? There was just a VR game last month, uh, Maquette or something. I don't remember offhand. I, oh, speaking of which, I got to pick up those games <laughs> for uh, March. I haven't downloaded them yet, including Ratchet and Clank. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not entirely sure on which one was released recently, but uh, I am going to continue to pick up PS4 VR games and eventually PS5 VR games and just stock up, dude, because that's that's where the gaming is going to be, I feel, in the next few years of PlayStation is that VR uh, mode for a lot of those games. And it's as long as they can handle, you know, dealing with the motion sickness component and making sure that that's a non-issue, I'll be buying it, like, right off the bat. I'm stoked. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of VR games, uh, we have speaking the of free games. free games and VR games. If my mouse would go over there, I can scroll down. We've got... Play at Home 2021 update. 10 free games to download this spring by... Now, I didn't know this, but this was on the PlayStation blog, and so this was written by Jim Ryan, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. Now, being in marketing, I will tell you, Jim Ryan did not write this. (laughs) Okay, that's what I figured. I was like, the CEO wrote this blog about the 10 free games that are giving away? Like, 
I think he would have better things to do. Yeah, no, he, he didn't There's write There's some this. guy in a department whose job this is to write this. That's exactly what it is. So okay. somebody on the marketing team, likely on the PR team for Sony, wrote this up, passed it by a whole bunch of different people to say, hey, here's Jim's blog for the week or the month or whatever we're doing. And then he signs off and says, yep, looks good to go. Send it off. And they go through legal and make sure things are good. So, yeah, he didn't write this. If he did, I'd be absolutely floored uh, and shocked. That he did. This is a cool list of games. There's some good stuff on here. I've played several things on here or have some knowledge of a few things on here. I've seen some videos on some of this stuff. Uh, This is a good list of games. A lot of these games have been on PS Plus. Like, I've got... I've got three of these games. I think I've played several of these, but... Dude, they look awesome, actually. Oh, yeah. So... This is kind of in line with that same initiative we were talking about where Ratchet and Clank is free right now. Well, they're going to be starting March 25th, uh, 25th continuing on giving away free stuff. So the, for the first game is Abzu. Abzu is by the people who did Journey, Flower, and Pathless. Which, by the way, if you haven't played Journey or Flower, those are both amazing games. I want to say... Abzu was free several years ago on PlayStation Plus, yeah. so I did beat this one. I was looking, I'm like, this looks definitely familiar. Uh, beautiful game. I Underwater, it. swimming. Yeah, different colors, just different animals all over the place. It does have its like free-flowing puzzle-type elements, in a sense, that come with it. It was great. I love that game. Enter the Gungeon. Next up, uh, I love this game. I played so much of this game. It's just a really tough-as-nails, roguelite, uh, bullet hell game. You're, you've got a few different classes that start off different. You've got all kinds of wild and crazy guns and powers and stuff that you get to try to mix and match and create like really interesting builds for runs. Uh, it's a ton of fun. It's a great game. It's so hard. Uh, Res Infinite was one of the other ones here. I actually want to play this one. I think wasn't Res on PlayStation Two as well. I think it was a PS2 game. It yeah. might have been a PS1. So game. this does, ha- and this is part of that VR component too. So there's mm-hmm. an optional VR mode for this game. Res has always looked pretty sweet. Uh, so that's an action uh, shooter or sounds and shooting, an action type game. And I'm excited to play it. And it's exclusive on PS4. Yeah, I always wanted to play the original Res. So that one should be fun. Next up, Subnautica. Subnautica, if you've been living under a rock, under the ocean. You may have heard of Subnautica, but if you've been living under a rock somewhere else, I don't know. It's a survival game in a crashed ship on an alien world. There's You're in a big ocean. There's all kinds of things to discover and explore and build. And you try to make a ship so that you can go deeper and explore more and try to get off the planet. Everybody's loved it. It's been an awesome game. It was one of the big, like... Uh, Steam early access like success titles. Um, it's one I've had my eye on as well. People love it. Uh, the Witness is one that I have not heard of, but I mean, this sounds, was on PS Plus, was it? Okay, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Well, it's free now, so I've seen uh, gameplay of this uh, streamer that I watch, Brutal Moose. He played pretty a bunch good. of this. Yeah, it's a really interesting puzzle game. Uh, it's got really cool visuals. It's a good thinker. It's it's really interesting because you could see how as you go through the puzzles build and build and you get to an area and it's like okay here's the basics and then you work your way through you try to find like there's hidden puzzles in like the level 
architecture. It's really cool. It's a beautiful game. Yeah, so uh, that is definitely one I want to pick up. At some Well, obviously, I'll pick it up and then play it, but uh, the other one on here is Astrobot Rescue Mission. So Astrobot is supposed to be pretty good. I haven't played EX, of course, I don't have VR, uh, but I've heard some great things. I think Game Grinder actually beat Astrobot when he got VR, and if I recall, he loved it. Well, when he played that game. And then the new Astrobot that came out, Astro's Playroom, with well, the PS5 it, launch. I thought Playroom was the one that... Okay, okay, yeah, you're right. Astro's Playroom is a new one coming out. Yeah, that's the one that launched with PS5 so that they could show off the DualSense. And then uh, when they just shut down the Sony studio we talked about a couple weeks ago... I heard that a lot of that team is going on to further develop more Astro games. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, that is likely... I mean, you have Sackboy from Little Big Planet, and of course, Sackboy's Big Adventure, whatever it's called. Uh, and then you've got Astrobot. I think those right there are like Sony's answers to Mario, in a sense. Like, yeah. If they continue those and kind of keep that momentum going with these games, that'll be their answer, I feel. Uh, let's Moss. see. Moss. Moss, yeah. I think I this have this. This is another VR game. Uh, I think it's... Is this it? is a VR game where it's like, you're not the little mouse character. You're like a god figure looking down at him as he platforms and actions his way through. Um, I remember trailers for this, and I remember excitement about it, but never got a PSVR, so never really got invested yeah i could have sworn i got this game recently i'm looking it up right now just to did they have a uh, a hard copy released of this i mean i believe so i'm i'm looking yeah i think i have this game dude i mean it would be right in line with you're trying to get all the psvr games i don't know i'm gonna be kind of upset if i don't because it's like 60 dollars right now well you're getting it for free yeah that's true but i want it physical ryan physical copies Go on now. Next game, next game. Uh, next game, Thumper. I've not played this. I watched somebody who did a review and said that this is like a heart-pounding, like awesome game, and you just get so into like the rhythm and the feel of it. It's got crazy out there visuals and like good music and just that it's one of those game feel kind of games. Uh, I'm disappointed, Ryan. I don't have moss. Mm. I don't know, Ross. Uh, the next one, I think, is uh, is it Paper Beasts, mm -hmm. I think? Yeah, so that one looks pretty sick, too, dude. Uh, and Dude, I love these types of games. Like, that type of style of uh, coloration on the, uh, the animation and such. And it's just unique. I mean, it's... This one, again, is more of that... It looks like a lot of what they're giving here is more puzzle-based games. But this is just kind of a, you know, shaping your environment, going over different obstacles, and just figuring out various puzzles in this like wild ecosystem type game. And um, I've never played dust, but I did. We do another world at some point. I don't think we ever did. Okay. Yeah. I know I've seen somebody play another world in a let's play before. Yeah. And then one of the other games that has noted on here is uh, horizon zero dawn is apparently going to be free. It looks like April 19th as well. So if you haven't played horizon zero dawn, I absolutely loved it. It's definitely worth picking up, so check it out. And that'll be the complete edition, too, with all the DLC and stuff. So that's a huge pickup. Yeah, and the DLC so, on that game is fantastic. Like, that's the first time I actually wanted the complete DLC, and I loved it. They're also giving away um, some temporary subscriptions to Funimation or Wakanim. Mm -hmm. 
So if you are interested in anime, you can get some of that action too. That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, who's who's going to blame anybody for giving away free stuff? So good on you, Sony, for giving away some free stuff, especially, you know, everybody seems like they're trying to give away more and more free stuff nowadays. Like uh, Xbox is doing stuff. Epic's always doing stuff. Like it's kind of a good era for low budget gamers to be able to get like access to legit stuff to play through. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, well, let's see. And I think part of this is like their way of, you know, with the pandemic and everything, uh, even though it's kind of subsiding here is to keep people at home, you know, give them these free games and give them something to do. And, uh, I, I like it, man. I wish I would have done this a little earlier, like last year. All right. Next thing, and we could probably be brief on this one, is uh, Apple's Cook and other executives to testify in a Fortnite trial. So this is by Mark Gurman at Bloomberg. And really what we're looking at here is just, you know, we've got, we talked about this a long time ago. Uh, Epic wanted to go ahead and pretty much reduce how much they were paying uh, to Apple. So they created their own little payment system. Uh, so that way they could try and avoid fees through the Apple App Store. Uh, what ended up happening is Apple's like, that's a breach of our terms. We're going to remove Fortnite unless you correct it. Epic didn't correct it. And so they removed a whole bunch of Epic games and they removed Fortnite from the Apple app store, uh, thus removing really a lot of the, uh, revenue could be generated by Epic on that front as well as Apple because, you know, they're not going to get those sales. And then, um, you know, I don't think there's any updates that are occurring now for those games because they've been removed. So that's kind of where we are. And uh, the trial is, of course, kind of building up at this point. And uh, named on there were a number of, you know, well, you had two CEOs, a number of like higher C-suite executives that are going to be set to uh, be witnesses and testify during this trial. Uh, so it's really interesting to see that this is starting to kind of pick up. And I'd like to see how many other larger companies are going to start jumping into this, right? Either against Epic or against Apple. Well, and there's a quote in here from, let's see, from Epic. Uh, the chorus of developers speaking out against Apple and their anti-competitive practice has become louder. Uh, we're not alone in this fight. We look forward to making our case for competition in app distribution and payment processes. So, you know, it did stir up a bunch of people, you know. They're trying to get more people on board. I mean, Epic in their store... You know, they give a much better shake to developers than Steam or Apple or, you know, I don't know. I don't know that we really know what the cut is from, like, Sony or Microsoft for being on, like, Game Pass or PlayStation Now. But, I mean, everybody usually gets a big chunk of money from them to be hosted on those. But the 30% sales is just bizarre when it gets into the microtransaction world and it's like, okay, so you're charging your customers, you know, 10 bucks for a thousand coins. So every coin is, you know, a penny or whatever. Yeah, that's right. So wait, yeah, that's right. That's a penny a piece. So that's actually upcharged because you're only getting 70% of that revenue because Apple decides that just for hosting the sale, they get three bucks mm -hmm. from, from that. So it's like the amount of money that they're making on these microtransactions is absolutely 
ridiculous when they're really not involved in any part. Like, they didn't make the game. They don't, you know, provide any extra value to the player. They're literally just there to skim off of every time somebody pushes the pay button. And I know that there's deals for other games. Like, I've seen people talk about you can go on, like, Amazon and you can buy coins for Hearthstone at, like, a better deal than doing it directly through Hearthstone. So it's like you're paying less, and Amazon's getting some portion of that. Apple. Well, no, no, but in this buying Hearthstone coins on Amazon, like, Amazon's getting some portion of that, but you're already paying less than what you would pay just to the main distributor of the game themselves. Well, it's kind of like uh, when you set up those, God, what's that company called? That you can put like coupons and stuff on there and like buy tickets. And it's like, oh, buy two, get one free tickets. I don't remember. Oh, um, you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah, like yeah. Some web Groupon. Plat- yeah, Groupon. So Groupon is like one of the worst offenders on this crap. So basically, like they force you to sell products. Like you host it on there. And from what I experienced, they would take a part of a cut as well. But you would have to say, oh, well, you have this item that's normally $100. Well, you have to hit a significant discount on our website, like say 25-30% of the value and then show that that's what it was valued at. So for example, if you had, um, say tickets to a show that you were hosting and each ticket was $50 a piece, normally you would have to host on Groupon for say $35 a ticket. And you would have to show that, Hey, on our existing website, that's the price that it's going for It's 50 bucks. We're doing it for 35. And then Groupon's supposed to take a cut of that mm-hmm. on top of it. Like I, I can see where some of these, you know, developers and, and companies that are wanting to host their stuff on like Apple are just like, screw this. Like, it's way too much money. But at the same time, and even Amazon, but at the same time, you do have to look at it from the aspect of you are hitting their audience. So however many millions of users. Yeah, you're, it's the access to them. Yeah, you're accessing a ton of people. And if you don't have that, and if you don't want that access, then you're... Well, I just hate how much it. it makes the consumer have to pay. Like... We should be able to get a way better deal than a thousand coins for ten dollars if three of those dollars is going to a completely different company that we're not buying the skin from. Yeah, they're not it. hosting the game in any way. We're getting no real benefit from that. Like the transaction benefit is for you know Epic or whoever's hosting their game here. So it's like the consumer should be able to get like a thousand coins for five bucks if Apple would get the hell out, and that's who like. You know, as much as as much as Epic is trying to really paint themselves in a good light here and trying to be like the underdog through all this, like when they came out with like the hashtag free Fortnite and all that stuff, like they're being very underhanded and manipulative here. And they're not the good guys by any stretch. And they're not the little guys either because they're also a billion dollar company. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to feel bad for them, but like, man, I would love for them to be able to stick it to Apple just because big companies like Apple kind of need to have it stuck to them every once in a while. Otherwise, they just consolidate their power and say, no, we rule. It'd be kind of nice if a judge was just like, you both suck. (laughs) (laughs) Donate. Donate your money. All microtransactions, 50% off. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, uh, yeah, we'll keep up with this one uh, as it kind of builds up. And I'm interested to see the outcome, dude. I mean, this is... It'll change. It'll change some stuff. This will make waves. I think so. 
All right, let's jump into our inflation deflation of the week. We got Umihara Kawase Fresh. Uh, I cannot read your tiny ass font that you've put there on the developer, so I'll oh, let you do that part. So this was developed by Studio Sizen. Sizensen? Sure. Published uh, I, by Nicholas. Yeah, Nicholas. And uh, it was, released April 2019. It is a platformer and it did not receive great reviews. It got about a 6 out of 10. This I had never heard of. Apparently, there's like been a few of these games in a long series starting back in 1994. But looking back at some of uh, Google Images' best attempts to show me what the game was like, it looks very similar to what this is, so I don't think that it has developed a lot and changed a lot over time. So we'll just assume this is what most of these games are like and go from there. Yeah, so uh, this game has here a little i guess a female character yeah i'm hoping <laughs> i couldn't tell uh where uh she has uh missions essentially uh, you have just various missions that you have to go through where you collect different items and you get to you follow these arrows get to the end path and i mean you collect food and such along the way you find different enemies like fish and snakes and such that can attack you but you're able to take your fishing line and your giant ass hook and throw it to them and collect them as you go around uh, you can also sling across different walls like a uh, little Japanese girl Spider-Man, uh, grabbing your hook, throwing it up to different sections, and being able to manipulate the uh, the line to where you can go up, you can go side to side, hop over to different sections. It's pretty interesting, dude. Like, the mechanics on this game, I thought, were very different from what I've played in other types of platformers. Yeah, it's a, it's a platformer where instead of jumping as your primary, like platforming mechanic you're really using more of like a hook shot to kind of get around uh the swingingness of it was kind of not exactly the best from and we didn't make it super far so maybe you get power ups or anything seven or eight levels yeah but maybe you get power ups or something later that change your mechanics i kind of doubt it but a lot of it is um a lot of it is just trying to be able to get your hook into the right place to be able to pull yourself where you need to go. Uh, like John was saying, you can use it to attack and stun enemies and then collect them for their tasty food bits because you're an adventuring chef. Um, there's some cooking mechanics and some, some dark souls, uh, mechanics. Dark souls bonfire mechanics. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, it's a cute looking game. It's got fun music. Somehow I, I didn't really read too much into it this morning. Um, Somehow this is tied in to Cave Story. Like, in this game, you can be, like, one of the robot girl from Cave Story. And, like, the creatures in the world, like, they look like the rabbit people from Cave Story. So I don't know how that kind of meshes in there. But, hey, it's in there. If you like Cave Story, there's some Cave Story adjacent stuff here, I guess. Uh, you know, I wasn't too impressed by the graphics on this game. That was one thing. Uh, I think you said it's on PS4 digitally. I don't know if they have a physical version, but I have no. the physical version for the Switch, which is why I bought it, because it's physical. And I just wasn't super impressed by the graphics, dude. Like, And while the mechanics are kind of cool, it was a bit slow to me. Like, Things just felt clunky as you were progressing through the game. And uh, I kind of noticed that a lot when you'd shoot your your lineup and you're hanging up on the side of a wall and like trying to figure out like how the hell do I bounce up and get to this? It's just super clunky. This feels like an old Wii game, not like a new Switch game. Yeah, and you had brought up it felt kind of like to you at first like Ivy the Kiwi, which I felt actually controlled better. 
it's just like it's kind of a non-traditional platforming platformer yeah uh overall man you know and we'll do the brass tacks here uh complete in box you're looking at 1496 uh peaking at 3076 back in july of 2019 that's holding steady a loose copy right now is running about 1328 that peaked at 2666 in july of 2019 that's also holding steady i do think this is going to go up in price uh, i don't think it was a super sought after game initially so from a perspective aspect i think that this is one to grab just because of that uh it by all means like yes it felt clunky but it was cute enough and had the different colors and elements that you know when i look at 15 bucks for a complete in box i think that's worth it it's got you know, great box art it I does will, actually i will and it say has a manual. that this has a great oh it does it has a manual and yeah. it has a manual and it has a manual okay right there folks complete in box get it actually complete in box yeah uh but yeah 15 bucks if you can find it for that price point um i think it's a great game to hold on to see if it goes up in value if that's your thing Uh, i think from a playing component uh if you hand this off to your kid uh they're gonna enjoy it i feel i mean i I enjoyed it it wasn't terrible by all means i mean a six isn't six doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad score a six just means it's you know below it's a competent game yeah but it's not enough to like blow my mind like it's not gonna it's not a good like i i need something like on the level of god of war not every game is like that yeah this is i would say it's a good time waster in a sense sit back play a few levels set it down like this is one you can kind of chip away at and have a good time or it seems short enough with all these different levels that you can just blaze through it pretty quick Mm -hmm. Um, i I haven't looked at how many hours it takes to beat this one but if you look at how long to beat.com uh you can find it on there and See if it's something that's up your alley. Uh, but overall, man, I think at $15, my my uh, rating for this will be just right at its current price point. What do you got going for it? Well, uh, it comes w- with a manual and nice box art, so I'm going to say just right. Just right. Cool. So that is our rating main for Main uh, story, this game. 15 hours. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. If you can get 15 hours for 15 bucks and a manual out of it, plus some cutesy animation that's kind of not that great, but still pretty cool, I think it's worth it. And it's a platformer, and I love platformers. So uh, our rating on this one is that it is priced just right as it currently stands. Uh, That being said, Ryan, we've got, for once, because you reminded us, our next game, we're going to play some Evil Dead Regeneration on the Xbox. So I'd seen a, an article or something pop up recently, a headline that just said uh, the newest Evil Dead was going to be uh, recorded or was being recorded right now in New Zealand. And it just, I saw Evil Dead sitting in one of these totes and figured that's probably a good game that we could jump onto. So we'll be catching that one next week. Um, that said, uh, Ryan. I know normally we wouldn't say this, but we got a second episode here to record for uh, future reference. So keep an eye out. Um, down the road after you hear this episode, we'll have uh, an episode on some underrated PlayStation 2 games that Ryan and I have selected that we've played in the past and enjoyed. So that'll be a future episode coming out here pretty soon. Well, that being said, my name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.